You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello and welcome to Matt Meets the Music Industry. I'm here with head of Nanotier, Nate Carson. Nate, how are you? Just fine. Thanks for having me. So what I wanted to get into with you was what we talked about for Europe with um, Roman Hodel of District 19 last week, which is how do you think the return of live music is going to look like in the States? Sure. Well, it's not an on-off switch. I think it's going to be a gradient. And thankfully... Not as many clubs closed permanently as I would have expected. I mean, yeah. there have been some, a few devastating closures because they're favorite spots. But in general, we haven't seen a scorched earth uh, scenario where there's all of a sudden no clubs to play anymore. Yeah. Which the question, is what, of course. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that's what I think all of us kind of thought was going to happen. Yeah, I thought it would take years to recover from that situation. And it's really not that. It has much more to do with different levels of lockdown that's, that are on a state-by-state -state basis and variants of COVID that are flaring up. So we're seeing a lot of people are vaccinated, but a lot of people are still getting sick. So we're really in very choppy waters right now. I think that by summer, we'll have a much clearer idea of what the reality is of vaccination versus variants. But I think right now we're sort of in this place where the two are crossing over each other and it's, uh, it's, it's not pretty. And of course, there are concerts happening already in some places and other places where it would be uh, considered insane to be having a concert right now. So there's it's a big country and there's a lot of different ways of looking at this. So how are you looking at it? When do you start with like you, you know, you're a professional agent. When are you trying to bring bands back? Sure. I mean, I am cautiously optimistic about mid August. I feel like by the summer, anyone who wants a vaccine in America will have it. And anyone who doesn't is a fool. So, uh, they can take their lives in their own hands and get sick and make other people sick and live with that if that can be on their conscience. But the problem is they're so deluded that they don't think it's real anyway. So there's not really any talking to those people. So when you're putting your routings together for stuff in August and September, right? Are you just saying fuck it and just doing kind of a traditional routing or are you explicitly building around the states that you see uh, have the least restrictions? I, I mean, anything that's coming up that soon for this August and September is a routing that I put together a year or more ago. So it wasn't even really a consideration. And I don't think there would be a way to gauge state by state 
what is going to be open. I mean, New York City just announced yesterday that July 1st, they're going to be at 100% capacity. We'll see if that really comes to pass. I think that's a bold move. And I think it makes venues feel good. Um, it gives some people some hope. But whether or not that's actually going to be safe or practical remains to be seen. I think that we have all gotten very jaded to the cancellations. So in a certain way, there's nothing to be lost by attempting to make things happen then, because it's not like consumers who buy tickets. If, if a show gets canceled because the hospitals are full, no one's going to be really angry at the venue or the band at that point. It's kind of this, you know, I mean, we're in a very science fiction type situation here where the problem is worldwide and it's out of anyone's hands. So even if we just, if everyone went back to 100% capacity today, like there would be severe repercussions from that. So it's, it's hard to know. But anyway, as you're saying, as far as routing accordingly, I do know some bands that are trying to just go play in the South this fall because they feel like those are the states that will be open. But what I'm learning is that those venues have been closed for so long that they don't really want small unknown bands. They want sure thing money makers. And there are obviously a lot of bands that are rescheduling their tours that are known quantities. So I think that precedence is going to go towards a band that can for sure fill the room rather than just having a show for the sake of having a show. And on that note, what do you see happening with guarantees? I've kind of heard some people getting completely shot and then other people getting some of their biggest guarantees ever. I thought we were going to be looking at a whole scenario where everyone was going to be so financially devastated and there'd be so much uncertainty that guarantees would be a thing of the past. I was ready to believe that everyone was going to be getting door deals, but it doesn't seem to be the case at all. And a lot of people are really banking on big shows and big turnouts. So I have not yet seen any real pushback on guarantees yet. I think that will be the issue for smaller or lesser known acts, but that's kind of always been the case anyway. So mm -hmm. it, it's always, a, it's a real catch 22 that the bands that are a sure thing draw, it's easy to get a guarantee and the bands that, you know, really could use that guarantee to look out for even just their basic expenses are the ones that aren't going to get them. So, But what I've been seeing in the South and in Australia, where things have, are opened back up, is that the turnouts have just been insane. Like all local bills pulling 150, 200 people. I, I had an all local bill in Texas do 400 the other day. I mean, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great that people miss live music and that they value it. Obviously, they haven't been valuing recorded music for a decade or so. So I always felt like live music was something that was really safe and would retain its value. And if anything, I think concert ticket prices will probably go up because we've been behind the curve on that for a long time. The idea of the $5 show which started in the 1950s and has somehow weirdly hung on in certain DIY circles is just appalling to me. I mean, $5 is the cost of a cup of coffee. Like you should not be seeing four bands for that amount of money unless they're absolutely unknown. 
I would um, second that notion. Um, and so, yeah. And so, and so I, I guess my follow-up to that is like, how long, you know, so, so we are seeing this honeymoon period in some places. I think there'll be a definite honeymoon period in other places as they open up. How long do you expect that to last before promoting shows sort of becomes the hell grind again? I mean, I know that I have been placing some holds for February of 2022 that are already six or seven holds deep. And then I tried to challenge to get them and lost. So people are booking way out as it stands. And I think, uh, I mean, I think live music can largely get back to where it was, but I think that it's going to take two years to kind of unravel all of the rescheduling's mm -hmm. that have happened. Yeah. Like everyone's career is sort of set back two years and it's especially to me, a problem for some of the elder statesman artists where this was going to be their last hurrah. Like, we are seeing more and more artists that are in their seventies that are having viable careers. And I really, really feel the worst for them uh, during this process. I mean, most of the rest of us can take a year or two off and then kind of pick up where we left off. But for someone who was really looking at this being kind of their last gasp, uh, that's a, it's a pretty big shot to take. Yeah. You know, you're like your favorite band kiss. <laughs> I think they can weather it uh, financially, like they'll be all right. That's the other thing. I mean, the other bands that I really feel for are sort of the middle-class bands, like the huge arena acts, they've got enough money to, to carry on. Yeah. And small time bands, you know, that weekend warrior bands, like big deal, like take a year off, it's fine. It's the bands where it really is their livelihood, but they're just barely making it that I think. Yeah was toughest for but hopefully their teams had it together to get them grants or whatever other sorts of stimulus support i mean i really haven't heard of anyone in the music scene just completely drowning in this situation it seems like everyone's got enough community support to find their way through this time which is really impressive i mean i thought we would see even more just complete financial devastation and it seems like somehow everybody's just kind of found a way to make it i mean i'm not speaking for people who are homeless or people who are in the hospital but yeah and what i also think is that in our community quite frankly i think people rely less on the money from shows than they admit of course i mean that's most bands that money just folds back into the band itself I yeah mean, it's 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 only at a certain level that people are even really taking home any kind of a paycheck and so uh if if you're not in that position i don't know i i've been kind of blown away by how many smaller bands are really using this time to crank out merch and kind of keep the attention on them and i know for me and my own band We've tried this to sort of lay low. Like, I don't want to spend the pandemic with my hat out, like asking for donations that we don't really need. So, I mean, I do respect bands that have found a way to be active during this time in a safe way. Like, Voivod's been one that really impressed me. I feel like the live album that they put out and the live streams that they've done and some of the reissues of the catalog, it just seems like 
there's kind of always something happening, but it's not too much and it's classy yeah. decisions and material. So I've really, I've really liked what they've done. I think Enslaved as well has done a good job of just kind of like staying active um, under the circumstances because those are bands that would have been touring their asses off during this time if they could. And I think that bands like that, it's all, it was in some ways sort of a blessing to sort of be like, oh, we have all this shit that we needed to reissue or that we, you know, like I needed to write these liner notes or I needed to mix this live album or whatever. And they were not going to do that. You know, that was not going to happen for them during on tour. You're not going to write, you know, away is not going to write the thoughtful liner notes that make him away. Um, yeah. And, and some of the interviews that they've done as well. It's really good stuff. I would say also, you know, tangential from that point, there were, I think so many of us were just run so ragged by the activity level of the last couple of years. It seemed yeah. like we were on this accelerating treadmill, working way too many hours and with, and barely keeping up with all of the opportunities that were passing through our hands. And I think that this pause, at least in certain ways, was really healthy and necessary, kind of giving everybody a chance to sort of like step back, focus on what's actually important in their lives, take, take some breaths, and, you know, hopefully marshal their energies so that we can get back on that treadmill and maybe not have it be quite as consuming or insane as it has been. I mean, my guess is we'll be right back where we left off in a year or so, and it'll just be insane. But it would be nice if everybody found a, a little bit more manageable way to, to live in this environment. So in terms of, you know, this is a question I've been getting a lot from a lot of bands has been sort of, we want to start booking shows, but we don't want to face sort of a back, you know, there are people who are actively posting like, oh, if a band plays a show now, I don't want, I'm going to blacklist them forever, you know? Right. And, or, I, you know, how, so how do you face, how do you, you know, if you're a band and you want to play an outdoor show, you know, what's the earliest you do that without getting scene canceled? I think that to a degree, shows are coming back whether anyone likes it or not, but also there's always gonna be a crank on the internet that complains about anything anyone does or says. So I really don't feel like anyone's gonna get scene canceled unless they do something that's really foolishly. I mean, the fact that Great White was playing in North Dakota last year or some of the stuff that Trapped was doing and saying, I mean, that's just ignorant and kind of deserves a backlash. But I think someone who has an opportunity to play a socially distanced outdoor show right now, that's not someone I'm going to judge. Even though I'm on the more conservative side and I'm living in Portland, Oregon, which is a very liberal place and where we've had some of the fewest deaths in the country. I mean, Oregon's still under 2,500 deaths since the beginning of this, which is, and, and almost all of them are, you know, people in their 60s, 70s and up, uh, you know, who had underlying conditions. So I feel like we've had a, a very safe environment here. I mean, we, our governor just shut down gyms and indoor dining again because cases are rising. Um, luckily, deaths aren't spiking so much, but the cases are up. So 
you know, I'm in one of the places that's least likely to have shows. And I guess if, if I heard about people doing it in a warehouse or a speakeasy and no one's wearing masks and they're all indoors and crowded together, yeah, that's, that's someone to judge because it's just dangerous. And I don't think anyone should be putting, making money or just having a good time over what's safe right now. But I think if you're conscientious or the capacity is right and people are wearing masks and being respectful of others, then, I mean, I don't see a problem with playing shows right now as long as it's conscientious. Yeah. So you're saying outdoors and masked and then you're basically okay. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think that to it, there's a certain amount of indoor uh, stuff that could be happening, but the tricky thing is you need a larger capacity venue to have a lesser capacity crowd and the overhead in a bigger room is higher. And so you either have to charge a lot more for a ticket to make it worthwhile for everyone. And then that excludes certain people from getting to see the show. It's going to become a thing where only the affluent get to have concerts as a, as a, one of their privileges and everyone else is stuck either with no music or in an unsafe scenario. And, but, but I think this is all a temporary problem. I mean, I don't think anyone should be so antsy to get out to perform or see a show until it actually is sensible. But if that's, if that's your life and that's, you're willing to take that risk, then there's probably a chance to do it somewhere with somebody. And then, and I will say I was struck by how little in, you know, in sort of the coastal cities that you and I live in, um, I was struck by how little like secret stuff was happening. Like, I really genuinely thought that, and you and I had talked about this over a year ago when I was like, okay, this is whatever, but like, I'm sure I'm going to be in a basement show in two weeks. And I wasn't. And no one I really knew was. It seems like it was, there were a lot more of them in the UK. And it seems like a lot more of that is in the dance and rave scene than in the rock scene. Yeah. And, but those were even like outdoor things like those. um, But regardless, yeah. Um, okay, and, so then you know, my maybe, other, oh. maybe it's happened and we just didn't hear about it, but yeah, we're I just no longer odd, cool enough. <laughs> I mean, odds are against that. I mean, I think it's hard to keep anything a secret anymore, but I, I just think that uh, it's still luckily a minority of people that won't get vaccinated or that think this is a hoax and they're not the ones that are pulling the strings or calling the shots when it comes to organizing concerts and getting crowds of people together. These are people that live in their hovels with their Ayn Rand book collections and don't have a lot of friends. I appreciate uh, how specific that got. Sure. Um, I, we, we should talk about what their record collection and contains too, but... <laughs> Only the late screwdriver, baby. <laughs> um, okay, so those were sort of the the main um, questions I've been sort of confronted with by artists lately, you know. And I think that's all really crucial stuff that people 
you know, genuine, you know, obviously for good reason, we're trying to understand. For, you know, for sort of the middle class bands on up with booking agents, they sort of have a clear path forward now, you know, and I do even know uh, bands who have older and or more conservative fan bases who've actually delayed their touring even more because they're like, well, we realize a lot of our fans aren't going to get vaccines and we don't want to have that fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, question... it is, there are optics to all of these things. Exactly. You know, and I think some of these bands are like, well, our fans are 50 plus. So let's just wait until they all finally come around. Well, the symphony is a, is a good example too. I mean, even if a large portion of symphony patrons do get vaccinated, you're still talking about 2,000 people with a median age of 65. Yeah. You know, yeah. Theater and, yeah. together indoors. It's not yeah. really realistic. And yeah, to be clear, I wasn't trying to talk shit on anyone who has an older, more conservative fan base. You know, I think it's not, you know, if you want to play, I don't know, true metal or whatever, it's not really your fault that that's a lot of older German guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do want to ask is so okay so we understand what's happening for like middle class on up so for the smaller bands do you think they're just kind of boned on tour booking given how all the middle class on up guys are going to be hitting the road harder than ever over the next 18 months it depends on how good and connected they are because i think there will be a lot of opportunities for support tours with bigger Mm -hmm. bands that have already been rescheduling their stuff from a year ago so you know particularly if you're a smaller band that does have an agent or if you're a smaller band that's actually cool and friendly with other bigger bands uh, and not just totally clueless and isolated, then I think there are opportunities to hop on tours like that. Otherwise, what I would say is be patient. This is like a worldwide interruption and this would be a time to just improve your band and your uh organization in every way like don't cut corners like make sure that your recording is are as good as they can be that the artwork is cool that your social media is where you want it to be that you're you know this is a a gift of time and no one should be like racing to get out there right now because like the idea of quitting your day job and becoming a rock star is very antiquated at this point. You should play music because it's your passion and it's because it's something that you love. And if you love doing it, do it right instead of doing it fast. I think uh, Ingve has a word or two for you. <laughs> He's fast. Um, <laughs> also right, generally. Um, but <clears throat> at least up until like that horrible blues album he did. Did you hear that? No, I'm. I pretty much stick stick with the Rising Force, and that's about it. Okay, I'll I'll send you the blues album because it has to be heard to be believed. Um, Didn't the Swedes invented blues, right? That's what I thought. You know. Yeah, totally. Um, but okay, so so circling back on the booking question, mm-hmm. and this is sort of the final piece is like. I think we're all reasonably certain that Psycho Las Vegas will happen in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Right. Actually, I have two more questions. But when do you see sort of the festivals coming back in America? 
as they were before. What do you think? Do you think that's going to happen in the fall? Or do you think events at that scale are going to be pushed to 2022? I like, like I said, I think it's going to be a mix. I think there are some mm -hmm. that will try it and pull it off and some that will try it and it won't work. And it's going to have everything to do with the variants and how many cases there are. I mean, these lockdowns and capacity limitations are not arbitrary things because some democratic governor got a bad night's sleep. It has to do with saying, if we cross over, you know, in, or in Oregon, I think it was over 300 new cases or hospitalizations per day. And right now we're at 900. So yes, we've closed down indoor dining and gyms and, you know, other things that are related along those lines. And people are upset and it's impinging on their freedom but the fact is we're at triple the rate of what we need to be for it to be safe. And so if in September it's a, it's a trickle, then anything is possible. But no one has that crystal ball to see exactly how this is gonna play out. And the best thing everyone can do is be safe, wear their mask, wash their hands and get vaccinated. Like, I'm not thrilled at the idea of getting corporate pharmaceuticals shot into my arm. Like that's not something that I don't really care about government guidance on these things, but I do believe in science. And I do believe that there's a bit of civic duty here that we had like in the 1940s that somehow the supposedly patriotic people of America have completely lost touch with. And I think that's, really sad and backwards, but there's a lot of hypocrisy on the right. So go figure. As a final point, and touching a bit on hypocrisy, um, I had this conversation with one of the highest level venue promoters in America. And she was talking to me about how she thinks for industry people uh, or just connected people in general, asking to get on the list for the next year is a no-go. Yeah, I mean, it's, you should never have to ask. Like, if you are someone that is of some importance to that show or that has done your scene volunteering to some degree, or in other words, involved yourself in a way that makes you an essential person to be there, someone's going to offer you that slot. Having to ask to be on the list uh, is generally tacky to start with, unless you have a really, you know, slick way of doing it. I mean, granted, I did it a lot when I was a journalist writing up shows for the paper. So, because it, to me, it was a bit of a service exchange. Like I'm helping sure. promote the show. I would like to see the show. Um, but I'm not in a position to even do that now because I've quit those weeklies. So, it's not really even an issue. If somebody wants to get me into a show, they'll let me know. Otherwise, I'll be buying a ticket. And I do think that everyone, especially agents and bands, need to be extra understanding of what promoters and venues are going through right now. Yeah. And I think that some of, the, some of the prima donna attitudes and pushiness that we've seen about, you know, oh, I need my green room stocked in this certain way. I hope that people will be a little bit chill for the next six to 12 months and kind of let things 
reactivate yeah because no one's coming in with their pockets loaded with money just getting ready to reopen their clubs most clubs were operating with pretty narrow margins yeah even before so well, i do think it's a good, good time to be, to be classy and, and appreciate that there's shows happening at all yeah and this is something i was thinking about and it's interesting what you say about lists because i feel like for me a lot of times it's like oh i'm gonna be here can you hook me up yeah. you know partially because i am in a lot of different places and you know whatever um but i'm I, not saying what you were doing was wrong uh okay. but i i do agree that the timing now um it's changed it's i think t- the way to do that is say hey i'm gonna be there should i buy a ticket yeah you know, yeah, that's a that's a classier ask, I think, than than the assumption that you get in for free. Chances are, people will still want to hook you up, and a spot on the guest list is not really costing anyone that much, unless you're talking about a small capacity, high ticket scenario. Sure. But which is exactly what we're likely to be looking at for a little while. So totally, yeah, no, and I yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that um, unfold. I, I definitely think if concert tickets go up, that is a general boon that will come from this situation because inflation yeah. for the artist in pretty much every aspect, aside from phone bills and recording studios, has gone up significantly you know, over the last 50 years. And when, when shows were $5 and gas was 90 cents a gallon, it was all pretty doable, but at $4 a gallon and even more in Europe and Canada, then, I mean, luckily I think Europe and Canada are ahead of us with raising ticket prices in the U S it's still stayed kind of rock bottom and yeah. uh, people need to appreciate the expenses that go into this. And I mean, those bands might be getting paid for that night of performance, but it's still not really paying for all the rehearsal that they did and the writing that they've done and, you know, the sacrifices that they've made in order to be there. Yeah. Let's call it there. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for having me. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.